0: Let's, talk, let's go to the word of the Lord today. I won't keep you too long today if the Lord will help me. I just, I just got some things I want to say to you. What I will preach today will be along the lines of Easter, but it will be different from anything I've ever preached at Easter. And uh, you'll see that when I'm through. I'm going to do something that I don't normally do, and that is read from the Message Bible this morning. I'm reading from John chapter 20 verses one through eight in the Message Bible. And they'll put it on the screen if you don't have your Bible. And I know you probably don't have your Message Bible, but uh, we're going to read the word of the Lord. The Bible said, early in the morning, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. She ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, breathlessly panning, she said, they took the master from the tomb. We don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for the tomb. They ran neck and neck. The other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. That was John, by the way. Stooping to look in, he saw the pieces of linen cloth lying there but he didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived after him, entered the tomb, observed the linen cloths or clothes lying there. And the kerchief used to cover his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but separate, neatly formed by itself. Then the other disciples, the one who had gotten there first, went into the tomb, took one look, took one look at the evidence and believed. You may be seen. So what was the evidence that convinced Peter and John on this day that Jesus was alive. To answer that question, you would have to roll back the clock at least 48 hours and see and feel what they felt. They had been with him at the Last Supper as he spoke mysteriously about someone betraying him. And and it was there that the disciples began to say, is it I, is it I? And we've read that story many times. It It was they, Peter and John, who had been with him in the garden as he prayed in agony for so long that they finally fell asleep in exhaustion. They were there when Judas came to betray him. They realized the horror of his earlier words and what they really meant. They tried to defend him, but, I mean, Peter cut one of the guy's ears off. But who were they against a Roman legion? They felt a burst of hope, perhaps, when Jesus said, I can pray to my father and he can Give me 12 legions of angels. And then there was instant despair and continued in them when they realized that the scripture had to be fulfilled because Jesus said so. They had followed Jesus at a distance, lurking in the shadows outside the gates as he was put through the mockery of six trials between night and morning. They heard what everyone was saying, the fabricated evidence, the outright lies. Their hearts sank at the resounding verdict of guilty at every trial. He went before Annas the high priest in John 18. He was before Caiaphas in Matthew 26. He was before the Sanhedrin in Matthew 26. He was before Pilate in Matthew 27. In Luke 23, he stood before Herod. In Luke 23, he stood before Pilate. But every courtroom and every trial was packed with lies and innuendos that were untrue, and he was pronounced guilty. Peter and John watched as they scourged Jesus Christ. They watched as he received 39 stripes upon his back. His skin literally ripped off in huge gaping patches by the cat of nine tails. They seen the makeshift crown of thorns that was pushed into his scalp as blood trickled down through his hair and in his eyes and on his face. They watched him get slapped and pummeled and punched and watched his countenance permanently damaged and changed and marred. And he was just a gross figure of a man that day. They had hoped they had hoped that when Jesus was taken before the crowds that this nightmare would be over. Surely, surely the thousands that he had taught, that he had fed by miracle, and the hundreds that he had healed, the lame, the wounded, the, those who had no hope, surely they would stand up and convince the Romans that he was harmless to their empire. But with growing horror, they watched the angry mob as they cried, crucify him, and release unto us Barabbas. You see, Peter and John saw, they watched, they, they watched the angry mob engulf him, scared for their lives. They, Peter even denied him three times that night. They heard him cry upon the cross, I thirst. They heard him when, the, when the, Jesus bowed his head and said, it is finished. And to them, all they heard was, I am finished. Because now they would have to go back to a, to a life that wasn't there anymore, to a trade that had already been put aside. They were losing their leader. They were there the Roman soldiers, they watched them pierce the rib cage of Jesus Christ as he hung upon the cross and they watched water and blood flow from his side. They they knew that he was dead had they watched them take him off the cross and wrap him in grave clothes and take him to a borrowed tomb they were there when the stone was rolled in front of the tomb They, they knew and they saw all of that so what could be the evidence that Jesus was alive to them you see you can chide them and you can mock Peter and John and the disciples for their unbelief if you will berate them for what you call a lack of vision and scold them for not hanging around to see what the miracle was that would come to pass but they were human too and you didn't go through the agony that they went through you didn't go through the pain you see if you weren't there on Friday when Jesus died they didn't have an inspiring drama there wasn't a stirring concert there wasn't a beautiful sunrise to attend there had never been an Easter Sunday and on this Friday, it was far, far from good. Amen. Dr. Dr. Tony Campolo, I read the story. He tells a story of a little preaching competition that he had with his pastor during church service where he attended church. And Dr. Capolo said that he he. Preached what he thought was the perfect sermon, perfect in every way. He had taken the congregation to the heights of glory. And and, and when he sat down by his pastor, he patted him on the leg and he said, Top that. And the old pastor looked at him and said, Boy, what's the master? It was a simple sermon, the story said. He started softly building in volume and intensity until the entire congregation was completely involved repeating the phrases that he was saying in union. And this is kind of how his story went It's Friday, Jesus is arrested in the garden where he was praying. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are hiding and Peter's denying that He knows the Lord. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Jesus is standing before the high priest of Israel. Silent as a lamb before the slaughter. It's Friday. but Jesus, or excuse me, Sunday is coming. It's Friday. Jesus is beaten and he's mocked and he's spit upon. It's Friday but Sunday is coming. And the old preacher kept preaching, it's Friday. Those Roman soldiers are flogging the Lord with a leather scourge that has bits of bone and metal tearing at his flesh. He said, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the Son of Man, Stands firm as they press the crown of thorns down into his brow. He said, "It's brow. It's Friday." He said, "But but Sunday's coming." He said, "It's Friday." See him walking to Calvary. The blood dripping from his body. See the cross crashing down on his back as he stumbles between the load. He said, "It's Friday," but Sunday's coming. Just stay with me. He said, "It's Friday." See those Roman soldiers driving the nails into his feet. And the hands of the Lord hear my Jesus cry, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He said, It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The sky is going dark. The earth is beginning to tremble. Those who knew no sin, or he who knew no sin, became sin for us. A holy God who would not abide with sin pours out his wrath on that perfect sacrificial lamb, who cries out. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He said, Ladies and gentlemen, it was a horrible cry, but it's just Friday and Sunday is coming. Yeah, he said, At the moment of Jesus' death, the veil of the temple that separates sinful man from holy God was torn from top to bottom. It was running Twain. He said, "Folks, it's it's just Friday. It's just Friday. Sunday's coming. Somebody shout it with me right now. Sunday's coming." Sunday's coming. Jesus hanging on the cross, heaven's weeping, hell's partying. You know why hell's partying? They thought it was all over because that Friday they saw it. They said this is it. The devil said I've got him and on that horrible day they didn't understand. It was just Friday. He said three days later I'm going to restore the temple. I'm going to bring it back. Hallelujah. I've come to preach to you on a Sunday morning Easter. Oh that horrible day 2,000 years ago Jesus Christ the Lord of glory only begotten son of God the only perfect man that ever walked upon this earth died a hideous death upon a cruel cross of Calvary Satan thought that he had won the victory surely he had destroyed the son of God and finally he had disproved the prophecy that God had uttered in the garden about the one that was going to to crush his head and he had now destroyed he thought but that was just Friday so now it's Sunday somebody shouted with me now it's Sunday and just about the dawn of the first day of the week the earth began to shake in an earthquake. That wasn't the only thing that was shaking because now it's Sunday. The angel of the Lord came down out of heaven and he just rolled the stone away from the door of the tomb. Yes, sir, brother, it was Friday, but now it's Sunday. And the lamb that stood silent before the slaughter has now become the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's walking out of a grave victorious over death and hell and sin. He has destroyed it because Friday he died, but Sunday he was resurrected. My, 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 it's Sunday and the resurrected Christ walks out defeating hell, defeating death, defeating sin, defeating the grave, It's Sunday now, everything's changed. You know this. Jesus lives in in lives now. He can come live in yours just like he lives in mine. The Lamb of Calvary did not stay in the tomb. He was, he is, he will be forever the risen Savior. By the way... Dr. Campolo in his story said he had to admit that de- defeat was his at the hands of the old pastor. What Peter and John saw on Easter Sunday morning was an empty tomb. But more than that, they saw empty grave clothes. The body of Jesus covered with sticky myrrh and risin coated with overpowering spices and wrapped like a mummy in a long, in long strips of linen shroud had passed through the grave clothes, leaving them intact. Jesus left evidence that he wasn't there anymore. The crucifixion, listen to me, of Jesus wasn't the only stupid move on the part of the Sanhedrin but it was also a stupid move on the part of the devil he couldn't see what was coming he was playing right into the hands of the almighty god second corinthians or excuse me first corinthians chapter 2 said this in verse 7 which none of the princes of this world knew for had they known listen to me now had they known the hidden wisdom of god they would not have crucified Lord of glory. If they would have had any idea that we would have been singing on April the 17th of 2022 oh the blood of Jesus. If they would have had any idea that sanctified Holy Ghost people would have been saying thank God for the cross I'm here to preach to you on this Sunday morning he would have never put him on the cross but he was ignorant and he was stupid I'm talking about the devil there's a few more names that I'd like to call him today but I don't have time but devil you're the most foolish thing I know because what you did then was the saving of the soul of every man that walks on this earth Now I want to preach a little bit. You got time? I'll be through before you get through, hopefully. So here's the deal. Before we go on rejoicing on resurrection today, or about the resurrection, there's a question I want to ask, and this question is what every skeptic and those who don't believe, they're asking today. As you gather for Easter and, re- and celebrate the resurrection. Could I be brutally honest with you for just a moment this morning? And maybe dare to word or to mouth the words of our harshest critics about our religious belief. It's Sunday. But I'm going to ask you today, what difference has the resurrection of Christ Really made in the world. It's Sunday, but what difference has the resurrection made in you? It's Sunday, but in North America, 4,000 unborn children will be aborted in the next 24 hours. It's Sunday. But one out of four children will be sexually or physically abused. 5,000 teens will attempt suicide. 13 of them will succeed. 16 young adults will be murdered in the next 24 hours. Over 2,000 unmarried teens will get pregnant. It's Sunday, but what does it matter? I know you didn't expect this on Easter Sunday but let's talk about the resurrected Christ it's Sunday but in North America this weekend 5,000 parents will tell their children they're divorcing and out of every 20 adults one will not have a job come tomorrow over 85,000 people will die this weekend and out of that, 17,000 will die of some kind of cancer. It's Sunday. What does it matter? See, I've preached about the death and I've preached about the resurrection, but I'm going to talk about the results today. It's Easter Sunday all over this land, but throughout the world, people in the pews are still dealing with effects of drugs and alcohol and abuse and divorce and crime and violence and life threatening disease and unemployment or underemployment with depression and oppression and grief from a loss of a loved one it's sunday but what does it matter we're rejoicing Thank you, Jesus. But there's a hurting world. There's dying men and women. In fact, in fact, throughout our world, I'm not sure that holidays don't sometime have a way of compounding the sense of loss. And perhaps there will be one less person today at the Easter celebration, maybe by death, maybe by divorce, maybe by some other means. Maybe there's less on the table, and maybe there's financial pressure in your life. It's Sunday. What does it matter? It's Friday, but Sunday's coming, the preacher said. But that's not always comforting to everybody. But that's only half the story, because there's another story. He was resurrected He is alive. He does live and thank God for that. But here's the other story. He's getting a bride ready to take home to be with him. And we got to get ready to meet the resurrected Christ face to face. Hallelujah. we will read a little bit today. I've never done this before, but I just feel it in the Holy Ghost. I want to give you what Paul Harvey used to say is the rest of the story. Because... It's good to rejoice today and look, nobody's any happier about Resurrection Sunday than me. But when I looked around today, I realized it's got to be more than just Easter eggs and bunnies and get-togethers and eats. The reason he died and the reason he was resurrected so that somebody could be delivered from the problems and the situations and the hurt and the pain of life. I'm here to tell you right now, it's Sunday, but Jesus is coming again. Revelation said this in the 19th chapter. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. Of a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords you go to the 21st verse it said this or the 21st chapter it says this and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea and I saw John and I John saw the holy city new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying behold the tabernacle of God is with men and he would dwell with them." and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow, neither crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. It's Sunday but Jesus is coming. The gruesome view of the cross. We don't like, you know, we just say, oh, thank God for the cross. Let me tell you something. If you were there, you you would have doubted like Peter and John did because it was a gruesome thing that happened on Friday. The the miracle of Sunday was awesome. The tomb, you, you know this, Roman soldiers lay like they were dead And the tomb was rolled, or the stone was rolled away from the tomb by angels. And the the God of glory, robed in flesh, walked out of that tomb that day. Victorious, you know that. We rejoice over that on Resurrection Sunday. But I've come to stir you just a little bit. You know why he did all of that? He did it because you and you and you and you and you and you. And it goes on and on and on. He did it so that we would not be lost. He did it so that we would have hope. Our resurrection is coming. Our day is on the horizon. But let me tell you, while we're rejoicing today, there's people that don't understand the power of the cross. And they don't understand the power of the resurrection. They don't understand what it's like to repent of your sins and for God to baptize you with his spirit. To walk out of that experience victorious over death and hell victorious over sin in your life he is not the only one he intended to be victorious he intended for every one of you to win to win over death I know it's settled down a little bit had you with me for a while when you start preaching like this things get a little quiet But there's problems in our world. There's problems in your family. There's problems in mine. There's problems in my world. There's problems in yours. All I know to do is tell you there's a resurrected Christ that didn't intend for it to stop at the day of the resurrection. He intended for it to continue so that he could heal and save and bless. His blood was for the cleansing of our soul. His stripes for the healing of our body. His death was for the atonement of our our soul. He didn't mean for it to stop there. It's not just a day for everybody to go to church everybody to get happy sing about the cross sing about the blood go home eat a big lunch honey, honeys I don't have anything against any of that but in your dealing with Easter understand this Sunday came but Sunday's gone and the world is still in trouble and there's a God that says I did all of that so that you could have hope in a generation to come Stand up with me today all over this. I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying today. It's Sunday, but Jesus is coming. I said it's Sunday, but Jesus is coming. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know, I don't know any other way to tell you except that I believe that God wants us to understand today that it's not just an Easter day that we need to celebrate his resurrection. It's every day we ought to celebrate his resurrection. You believe that today? All over this house today, there are people that have great needs in your life. If you understand Calvary, you understood that he took your sins and put them on his back and walked up Golgotha's Hill. He he literally became your sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they had to go to the priest and he had to offer the lamb without spot or blemish. He was the lamb without spot or blemish. He that knew no sin took sin upon him and became sin for us. He that loved us when we were unlovable, you know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You believe that today? That was the purpose of Calvary. It wasn't for there to be a holiday. It wasn't for there to be a one-time celebration on a Sunday morning. I'm going to tell you what I do. I thank God every day for the cross. I thank God every day for the resurrection. I thank God every day. I wouldn't be here without the cross. I wouldn't be here without the resurrected Christ. Amen. He is alive. And because he lives, you can face tomorrow. Because he lives, you can have hope today. Because he lives, you can bring all your needs and lay them at his feet. Because he lives. I don't know how you feel today, but on this Easter Sunday morning, I want to give God some praise for taking my sins upon his shoulder and delivering me from the world that is out there right now. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood that you shed. Thank you for the stripes that you, you bore upon your back. Thank you for the, the slapping in your face, the spitting, the mockery. Thank you for the sword in your side. Thank you for the the hands and the feet that were wounded. Thank you for the pain and the agony you went through. It was all so that hurting people can find hope in a hurting world. Every head bowed in this room tonight. Here's what I want to ask you. Nobody looking around but me and Jesus, okay? who in this room would be honest enough to say, I thank God for the cross, but pastor, I need some help the Lord, only the Lord can give me today. I need something that only God can give me all over this room today. I need you to pray that God would touch my life, touch my heart, touch my mind all over this room today, all over the balcony and the risers. Here's what I'll ask you to do. I want you, while they sing today, if you, it doesn't matter who you are, visitor, member, matter who you are, this is a place of worship for all people. When they start singing, I want you to put your hand up all over this room and say, Lord, thank you today. Thank you because you're here to take care of my needs this morning. Thank you, Lord, for what you're gonna do in my life this day. Come on, put your hands up while they sing.